everybody, and welcome back to We've Got Mail. This is the podcast where you control the conversation right here on the critically acclaimed network. My name is William Bibiani. I am a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. Uh, sometimes people call me Megan the Stallion. Uh, for the purposes of this email, you can call me Rockmeister McCool. And this week on We've Got Mail, the podcast where you write in letters at criticallyacclaimed.net, and we read your letters, and we answer your questions, and we respond to your criticisms, and we talk about affairs of the world... And other things do. Uh, <laughs> this week, we've got a very, very special guest. We have celebrated author M. Lopez da Silva. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I know you. We, we're, we're friends. We're married. We're quite married, actually. We're extra friends. Yeah. <laughs> That should be great. We should just change all marriages to extra, extra friends. friends. Yeah. Like that's, what, that's what they say in, in services now. Do you, do you take this woman to be your extra friend? Yeah. Ooh. Uh, sure. Yeah. Do you take this man to be your extra friend? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you take this guy to be your extra, extra friend? And they both go, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, um, M. Lamas da Silva has I'm not done married something. to both of them. No, you're not. Yeah. No. We're, we're, I will take any excuse to have M on the podcast, uh, but uh, we actually have a really, really great excuse this time because uh, she's written a novel. We've already talked about it on the show multiple times, uh, and uh, we are going to actually sponsor a giveaway for Yay. a new slasher vigilante hybrid called Hooker, and why don't you tell the people a little bit about it? It is about a bisexual sex worker uh, slashing her way through the patriarchy in 1980s Los Angeles, hunting a serial killer using her weapon of choice, hooks. And I am doing two giveaways, one on my Instagram and one on my Twitter. Mm-hmm. We will have a link to both of those yes. uh, when on the official Critically Acclaimed Twitter account, at Critic Acclaim. And I will also uh, put it on my regular uh, Twitter account at William Bibiani for anyone who isn't following Michelle yet on either of those uh, services, but you should. And it's pretty simple. You just follow and you leave a comment, right? Follow and just like the post. I'm going to do a giveaway post mm-hmm. and have it up and just put a little like on it and you are entered. Uh, one, one caveat does need to be the continental U.S. Yes, unfortunately yeah. at Sorry this about time. That. Yeah. It's uh, the the post post office like charges like an arm and a leg, and I mean like literally they have hacksaws like uh, at the desk right now, which you know with the pandemic probably not the cleanest thing, so we just can't afford that right <laughs> now. Or ordinarily those hacksaws are really well maintained. Yeah, but not I just don't trust them in this. Encounter. What are they making with all the legs? <sighs> Is this like a, a leg a sp- ball? A spider person? <laughs> yes. Yeah, they're fixing leggy all their the leg tables. ball. <laughs> leggy the leg ball. <laughs> Don't you remember the leggy the leg ball at all the old post offices when you're growing up? Oh, I remember now. Good it's all old coming leggy. back. Those horrible repressed memories. Uh, but uh, for for fans <laughs> of our shows, because we mostly uh, cover movies and TV, uh, Hooker is actually more than just a novel. It's actually a throwback to uh, 1980s uh, kind of grindhouse VHS covers. Yeah, it's part of a whole series, right? Yes, it's part of Unnerving Magazine's Rewind or Die series. All the books in the series are based on uh, kind of the premise of recreating slashers from the 80s and 90s. Uh, But 
they're, of course, tapes that you've never heard of, you know. Which is something that we actually used to get. And we, I guess we have this now on some streaming services, but it used to be you would walk into a video store in the 80s, and yeah, they would have the stuff you've heard of. Oh, look, Willow. <laughs> oh, look, Goonies and Grease 2. And then, what's what Zipper Face? <laughs> and then that's, that's Rewind or Die. It's this weird, um, creepy stuff you see on the side. And, like a blast from the past. Yeah. All those titles. <laughs> One of the things I love about Zone Hooker... Zone Troopers is checked out again. Oh. Damn it. One of the things I love about Hooker, it. though, when you read it, uh, is you I didn't just write a story that like existed within that sort of 80s pop paradigm. You also recreated the experience of watching the tape yes. a little bit as well. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Because I think that's neat. Um, it's just kind of, I don't know, it's sort of a stylistic decision that I yeah. hopefully is an, I hope is a nice touch and not too much of an interruption for readers. Yeah, I think I that's think every is. author's hope. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't think it is, though. But it's like you're watching it and, like, you know, there are, like, certain parts that might have, like, a tracking error. And, like, the yeah. exposition in that bit gets the a little... static wears out in yeah. certain parts. It's kind of um, a remark on viewer consumption and the scenes that viewers tend to rewind and repeat and mm. stuff. Uh, I remember hearing yeah. the stories that like certain films with which had like noteworthy sex scenes mm-hmm. back in the days of VHS where if you paused it it was a magnetic tape that was getting paused and so you would go into Blockbuster a couple of years after like Fast Times at Ridgemont High came out and the scene where Phoebe Cates took off her top that's not visible anymore <laughs> just the tape was yeah. stretched beyond all right yeah, yeah. It's, and that's only this we don't have now that's not a thing it's, a, it's kind of wear and tear yeah. on movies somebody who works in a projection booth if uh, you ever come upon a, a 35 millimeter print of Fast Times at Ridgemont High that does not have a bunch of edits on either side <laughs> of that scene where people just took out one frame yeah. they didn't take out one frame they just removed the scene and they put it on like a stag reel oh. or something uh, yeah, if, if you can find an uncut so print of Fast Times at Ridgemont High, you have something incredibly rare. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah, mm. uh, but uh, if if you are not one of the lucky people who get to win a copy of Hooker, it is currently available. Uh, it's at, you can get it through Barnes and Noble. Yes, you can order it through Barnes and Noble. You can order it through uh, Amazon. It's available at the Last Bookstore in LA. Then there's actually and a really I, cool display. I signed a few copies there, so if you go did, there with their knowledge, or did you sneak in and just I sign just a couple? Snuck in oh, and that's awesome. signed a few. Yeah. So if you go into the Last Bookstore in LA, um, that's the name of the store. By the way, if you're not from LA, yeah. it's, like it's called, it's called yeah. the Last Bookstore. It's, it's downtown. It's early December 2020. If you go in there now, there's a few copies I've signed that are there for you. Um, yeah, yeah. Was, they don't know about it, so they can't charge you extra <laughs> unless they're listening. <laughs> in which case, start charging extra. It's going to be worth a lot someday. <laughs> Um, so anyway, uh, we knew that... Uh, I, I did that with Shakespeare plays. Yeah. You, you signed them? Signed them as William Shakespeare. Nice. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the first edition. Oh, wait, he died in 16th. Uh, but um, in any case, uh, we invited a few... Anymore. We invited people that had any particular questions they wanted uh, M. Lapis Silva to join in on. Uh, we And we had a few letters, very specifically uh, f- with questions geared towards you. Oh, so, uh, Whitney, you. why don't we start with some of those? Okay. Uh, here's a letter from El Mal. Hi. Uh, El Mal uh, says, hopefully I'm not too late. Uh, hey, Bibbs. Hey, Rockmeister McCool. And hello, Michelle. Hello. I'm pretty excited to hear, uh, hear you in a letters episode, and congrats on your book. Thank you so much. Yeah. That's so sweet. Uh, he goes on to say, I'll be quick. 
Oh, oh, we won't. We, we're yeah, we, go ahead, take your time. This is uh, your time. You can dawdle. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll read it slow and then a stentorian fashion. Mm. I've been reading a lot more this year, probably mm. for obvious reasons. And since there is an author on the podcast, I thought it'd be appropriate to ask a couple of questions. Sure. What do you th- What do you each think being well read is? Are there particular books that you consider must-reads for everyone? Hmm. I want to be well-read, but the list of books that I feel I need to get to keeps getting longer and longer. Not surprisingly, the list is much longer than all the movies I still need to get to. That's all. I hope... uh, Thank you so much, and especially Michelle. Hopefully, you can be back on soon. Hope you are all well. El Mal. Thank you. Thank you so much. Those were great questions. And that is a great question. That's something that I think think anyone who's interested in a particular art form Mm -hmm. uh, wants to be well-read in that art form, whether it's literally books or movies, painting, TV, because you kind of want to get a big swath of the history. But... Yeah, what does it mean uh, uh, to be well-read in your estimation? Ooh, it means to follow your heart. (laughs) And that sounds like a bunch of crap, but I'm actually going to back this up. So I don't believe in literary canons. I think that they're just a bunch of lists created mostly by old white men that feature old white men. And you can get, like, you know, diverse lists and stuff like that intentionally, and that's a great start. Do it. Look up these lists, but also follow your heart. What are you interested in reading? What are your passions? You follow that, you learn everything in that section. You're going to be extremely well-read. You like literature, you find the literature section, you start and you go wild. You follow, you go, wow, this author sounds neat. I've never heard of them. Wow, this book looks interesting. I'm going to judge it by its cover and put it in my cart, you know? (laughs) I'm going to borrow this from the library. That's what being well-read really is. And honestly, when you are passionate and, you know, well-versed in something that you love, it comes across. I think that's true. And I think that's true for, again, for, I think for any art form you want to talk about, really, where, yeah, people will talk about how, like, if look, film is my expertise, but like, oh, yeah, you should see the classics and you mm-hmm. can't see me use air quotes, you know, and that includes things like The Sergers and Citizen Kane and Seven Samurai. Everything and, on the AFI list. And look, yeah. I, look, I recommend most of those movies that are on those lists, but mm. ultimately, if you don't feel it, who gives a crap? Mm. I, I think the thing that you key into that's really important is watch or read or absorb whatever it is you're passionate about and then you won't stop reading and then you Mm -hmm. won't stop watching Mm -hmm. you won't stop listening and eventually you'll get to a lot of stuff and you'll be so well read in whatever field when you notice something you like and you notice that it's like prevalent in a genre or something you enjoy ask yourself why that is look into critical reading about it then, you know, try and pair that up with history and things that were going on at the time. I love it. This is yeah. just like <laughs> the whole mm. purpose and pleasure of reading and learning. Well, it's the raison d'etre <laughs> behind one of our podcasts, Episode Zero, mm-hmm. where one of the things I've often espoused is a great way to learn about film history is to pick something you really like now. You don't mm-hmm. do any extra reading. Mm-hmm. You already like this thing. Mm-hmm. And then ask yourself what went into that and research mm-hmm. that. What films influenced the director? Which films started the, the genre? And and then just sort of fan out from there. And it's a really, really good way to keep following something you have a, already have an interest in and also gain a wide, broad knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. So we did yeah. it with Star Wars doing it with Rocky Horror now. 
I like this. Who did that is a good set of questions to follow. Yeah. Like, you know? Mm. I wish I wish we stumbled across stuff more mm. nowadays. I feel like there's not a lot of that because a lot of people are doing their shopping online, like stumbling across things in a bookstore. You even said it yourself. That's a cool cover. That's what covers are designed for, yeah, right? Yeah, I think I've found uh, different parts of online life to have replaced the bookstore. And I've actually gotten really good book re- recommendations from literary Twitter mm-hmm. and from pursuing the taste of people who seem to ha- be interested in all the kinds of random things I'm interested in. Mm. You know? Yeah. I think that if... Twitter can be really effective for that if you're just following artists yeah, that you're interested in and then following true. people that they're retweeting that can be really effective. Mm-hmm. Some people are really into Goodreads. I'm not in that community, so I, I'm not familiar with it. Um, but there's that as well. That's a book uh, review reading community and that has a lot of interaction. One thing I found is really cool is um, you talked about how there's like the literary community on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Like I mostly follow like the film community on Twitter, and like there's some overlap yeah. as well. But like every once in a while, I'll pick up your phone, yeah, and I just see your Twitter feed, and it's so radically different from mine. <laughs> yeah, talk- Twitter is different. They're talking about completely different things, totally different we controversies. Got- it's like visiting another planet. It's well, amazing. You get all these yeah. alerts about like Spider Man casting. And- yeah. <laughs> Constant alerts about Spider-Man casting. I just get to hear it from you later on. You know, it's like... (laughs) As I whine about it. But you're just the one tweet. So I feel like I get the tweet distilled. It's nice. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's most of my job. I just... That's actually... Honestly, that's a lot of the entertainment journalism community right now. It's basically... We're not doing research. We're not, like, (laughs) running down leads. It's just like, hey, someone tweeted this about Spider-Man. Hey, someone tweeted that about Spider-Man. Did you hear about this tweet about Spider-Man? You guys heard about the tweet about Spider-Man, right? It's pretty good. It's pretty amazing. We've got eight videos to make about that today. Here, here's my thoughts about Spider-Man. I'm sorry, I lost interest. Yeah, Uh, there you go. Oh, um, the second question was about books that you have to read, and I think that there aren't any books that anyone has to read because it's kind of personal preference. Yeah. But I do recommend always being open to, Mm. like, taking... I don't know, like different classes, like writing classes, even things like that, where you're just open to playing around with new ideas. I don't know. I think that helps with reading, really, Mm -hmm. is going in and writing about, yeah, yeah, going back in and writing your thoughts down and kind of working through them. Mm No, I, remember I, when, I think it's really important. When I started, I, I used to always be interested in film, but then I started studying film. And there's a little, there's an occasional period where all you can kind of see are the nuts and bolts, mm-hmm. and it starts feeling a little bit like math. Here's how story structure works. Here's how lighting works, etc. But then after a while, you realize that all of those tools are basically just a way to convey something emotional yeah. and pure, and it all comes back again. But now you just have a greater knowledge of how it works, and that makes you a bit more excited to see. Sometimes works of art that you might not have understood how amazing they were until you understood yeah. what went into them. That's a good point. But I do I do say this. I do believe that, you know, recommendations from people who we, like, respect sure. or have interesting mm-hmm. tastes, that can lead us in really, really cool directions. Is there anything uh, cool you've read lately? Reg- these okay, aren't, like, so must canon because you don't no, believe in it. No, because I've been struggling to read all year. I, I, I love dear reader that wrote in with a letter that you have been able to focus on reading this year. Mm. I wish I had. (laughs) Um, I 
have had a terrible year with trying to focus on reading and writing, honestly. Um, my long project this year has definitely suffered. I've only gotten like a thousand words written in it. Um, and I have completed a few short stories, but it's way at a way lower rate than I've ever completed before. So, yeah. And that's just 2020 is just sapping all of our energy away. Mm-hmm. We've had so many. And if you followed us, you know that we've had like a lot of like personal hits yeah. lately that have just been completely overwhelming to deal with. And mm-hmm. but I think I think hopefully that's something a lot of people can identify with. You yeah, know, it's really, really mm-hmm. difficult right now to even just to focus on anything. There's so many projects I wanted to do. I've barely written anything. It's, since yeah. the pandemic. Like, I was writing so many articles all the time, and I've barely written any. Like, yeah. it, well, partly because the work dried up, but, like, I just, yeah, yeah it's hard. It's been really I think, tough. I think I've written, like, four Star Trek essays this year and, like, yeah. one short script. It's, yeah, nothing. It's it's not yeah. easy. Yeah. Yeah. The brain doesn't want to look, look mm. at the squiggles and, <laughs> like... Well, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, I'm, I, I have no time for anything because I have a child. And uh, yeah, I'm, exactly. his, I'm his teacher all day. We're all and adults, I, and then it I go, sucks. Then I go to work at night, and I just don't really have a lot of free time just to myself. I'm not uh, freaking justifying it. I'm oh, well. just saying, hey, <laughs> but this the, year sucked. This is <laughs> like, everyone gets a mulligan on 2020. <laughs> everyone gets a mulligan on 2020. I do have a big stack of books in the trunk of my car, mm-hmm. uh, along with you know all of our, our picnic and park going supplies like a blanket and some balls to play with nice. and like some scooter and uh, just things we can lay out on a blanket I yeah. lay out a bunch of books some for him some for me and I just sort of thumb through Don Quixote uh, just to you know put some words in my brain we uh, we just watched uh, the the movie The Holiday Mm-hmm. With Cameron Diaz and Kate Winslet, oh, Jack Black, and no, I actually like that. Oh, okay, <laughs> uh, but uh, Nancy Myers gets. Um, is it Nancy Myers or Nancy Myers? Nancy Myers. <laughs> it's Nancy Myers. Looking it up. No. There's inter- a leak I, of suspicion. I, I interviewed her once too. Okay. Well, in any case, uh, uh, it's a Christmas movie about uh, two extremely well-off people who switch houses and find love. And uh, it's Nancy Myers. Nancy Myers. It is officially Nancy Myers. Uh, But uh, Cameron Diaz is like going to. She's going to England, and one of the things she says she wants to do is, I haven't read a book in forever. <laughs> I keep buying these books and not reading them. If I go to a cottage in England, I can read all these books. And we see in the first-class section of the plane, because of course that's where she's sitting. Mm. But she's got this giant pile of books. And you know what we never see her do throughout the entire motion picture is read any of them. We don't see them lying around. <laughs> we don't see them, like, dog-eared or have a bookmark. Not even that. Not even the dignity of maybe she's reading them when she's not on camera. Oh my god. Not mentioned ever. You know, I I'm going to rec- I'm going to say that I did buy another book to add to the pile recently. Okay. It's a cool book. And it's a never before been published uh, collection of Ray Bradbury's crime stories released oh, okay. by Hardcase Crimes. And oh nice. Yeah. I love the pulps that they do. Mm-hmm. They've they've uh, released some set of some stuff from authors that weren't able to have their stuff published before. I'm really excited to dig into that. It's called Killer Come Back to Me, The Crime Stories of Ray Bradbury, and it's pretty new. 
Yeah, and it, it, yeah, it looks really cool. I have high hopes for it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm constantly getting books, mostly from the Penguin Classics collection. Um, oh, nice. Uh, I'm I'm a big I actually am a big fan of like canonical lists, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I and I hold firm that they're all correct. Oh, okay. Like it, it, <laughs> Like, Otherwise, what's left to believe? It's like in? Harold Bloom came up with a stuffy old white guy collection of old books okay, that you need right. to read. It's like I, that one's correct, and here's the Village Voices, like really kind of alterna press, and all of those are correct, and you, mm-hmm. you just sort of can make your own canonical list. Yeah, all right, and, fine. Um, so, uh, Secret Rendezvous by yeah. Kobo Abe is one of my favorite books. There you go. Cool. That's great. That's, that's, that's a great one. It's yeah. surrealist, weird hospital surrealism, and. Yeah, right. it's kind of just one of my faves. And I like the Dealing with Dragons series by Patricia C. Reed. <laughs> that was good. I, I recommended this to you one yeah. time ago. It's a series. It's actually called the Enchanted Forest Chronicles. This and it's was a before series. we dated. I know. And he recommended this This series. is a series of yeah. four books, and I think there's a couple of short stories, too. Uh, and they all set in a magical kingdom where everyone uh, believes in politeness, and it's fun, and there's some bad wizards, and they get their comeuppance eventually. But until then, everything's nice. And people <laughs> make cherries jubilee. And it's delicious. <laughs> it's a charming, charming book series, and I always really like. Very it. funny and very witty. As I was, well. I was feeling like you know, there's like um, that scene in Jaws where uh, Quint and um, who does Richard Dreyfus play? Do you remember? He plays Richard Dreyfus. Richard Dreyfus is playing himself. Name. Robert Shaw and Richard Dreyfus. They're comparing their scars and all these cool scars. Mm-hmm. But if you look closely, and I never call attention to it, I think it's more prominent in the screenplay. You know, wide shot. Roy Scheider, who is listening to them share all of their giant scars, and a wide shot, you see him like look at a very tiny scar on his arm, and then think better of mentioning it, and then just adjust his sleeve, and he never talks in that whole scene. <laughs> That's how I was feeling right now, because you guys are more well-read than I am. No, bish. Um, you know... I, I'm really excited that Spielberg let Richard Dreyfus play as himself in that I movie. Know. It's a bold <laughs> choice. It's a bold choice. You know, I yeah. hadn't hadn't yeah. thought he well, would. But one of the things I always like is uh, if you go back and look at like what was what did like Time magazine say were like the 100 greatest books of the century so far in 1950, mm-hmm. and you realize how few of them made the list yeah. in the year 2000. And like some one of them was like uh, a family favorite book growing up was. Uh, while Rome Burns by uh, Alexander Wolcott. So mm. While Rome Burns or When Rome Burns. But anyway, uh, it was considered like this awesome titan classic of literature, this collected writings mm-hmm. of Alexander Wolcott, who was a renowned wit and critic of the 30s contemporary of Dorothy Parker. He was wonderful. Um, nobody remembers this book now. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> nobody talks about it. I haven't seen it at a bookstore and I can't remember um, how long. How was it? It's great. It's an amazing <laughs> collection of stories. I have it on the shelf somewhere, but it's great. Uh, but yeah, it's just no one talks about it. I just, I'm always fascinated by those ones that were huge and then 50 years later, like, who's he? Boom. Anyway. Uh, I, I advocate for the difficult pleasures. Mm. Uh, find the book that sounds like the most awful and difficult to you and mm. read that one first. Mm. Uh, something you kind of have to fight your way through because uh, otherwise I think you're not going to you know, get your knees wet, as it were, uh, literarily. I think uh, I, I, one of the most satisfying literary experiences I've ever had was spending an entire summer making my way through James Joyce's Ulysses. I read that whole damn thing. Yeah. Interesting. I haven't read Finnegan's Wake yet. Nobody has. You know, I slugged <laughs> my Joyce way through the Marquis de Sade, Sade, and whatnot. Oh, well, <laughs> but it yeah. was very re- 
repetitive. I'm, I'm <laughs> Sometimes they are just bad. Like it's just a li- it's like lists. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, there's a list of body parts and sex acts you can do with it. It turns yeah. out editors didn't do a lot back then. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm like, wow, this guy was really manic that's like, my, about this. That's my like, favorite scene in the obsession. movie Quills. Did you see Quills? <laughs> no. There's a, yeah, Rich, Jeffrey Rush plays uh, the Marquis de Sade, and Joaquin Phoenix plays the, 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 the priest where uh, the Marquis de Sade has been, like, institutionalized. And... He's just like, so you got a manuscript out and you smuggle it out of here and now it's published and everyone's mad at me? And the Marquis is like, yes, what did you think? I read it. It sucks. <laughs> You're just offended. No, I'm not offended. You're not a good writer. It's the best scene in that whole movie because I tried reading Justine once and I'm like, wow, this is not well written yeah, at all. Yeah. I actually haven't gotten around to the Marquis de Sade. Mm. I've, I've read you know, some violent erotica. Like, he was in prison a lot. I think yeah. we're giving him a lot of credit. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, but... There, there were some books I had to like. Were, were really, they're really embarrassing. So, like, I brought them to work and read, but I had to cover up the covers. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I, I had to slog through Naked Lunch at one point. And right. anybody ask about? I Naked can think Lunch. of two things wrong with that uh, title. Yeah, yeah. The, the, uh, other books just of like really ill repute that I didn't want yeah. sort of laying around in my workplace. I was like, but when when it was something like really ancient, like I'm reading the. The Tales of Shahrazad, the, mm-hmm. the Thousand and One Nights, and it's like I, I want to show that off, so I'd leave that one out. So because I, I hoping someone would ask me about it, because I want to talk about it. I'm really excited about reading the Thousand and One Nights. Well, did they? Oh, no, nobody ever asked me about it. Perfect opportunity. Yeah. You set it up and everything. Because before that, I was reading like some pre-Socratic Greek <laughs> philosophers, and they're like, they asked me about that. It's like, oh yeah, and here's what Heraclitus thought. And don't talk to me anymore. They didn't want to hear about Heraclitus. <laughs> I was really excited about the pre-Socratics. <laughs> Like, but but Thales, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be our new pre-Socratic <laughs> podcast. But Thales. But, but Thales. <laughs> but Thales. Oh then it turns into a sitcom. <laughs> yeah, the thing about Herodotus was, shut up, shut up. <laughs> uh, my dad would not let me, like, he would, like, lord books over me in order to, like, okay, you can go to, like, this trip with your friends for the summer, but first you got to read the biography of Tacitus, and I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> and that is a true story. That is a true what, story. Is it really, the biography. Yes, biography my dad. Of that was my dad's favorite book. <laughs> was a was, ta- was about Tacitus, and I'm like, okay, it was like this Roman nobleman who said many witty things, and I got to tell you, it was not a bad read. He but what a weird blackmail scheme. He knew a lot about military tactics. It's where we get the word tactics <laughs> from. Yeah, ta- Tacitus name. Yeah. Uh, anyway, hmm. we have any more letters? <laughs> <laughs> we got a couple. I, I, I'd be happy to keep on talking about books. It, it, I know, yeah. I know, but I want to make sure we get fit in at least a few. Recommended. Brothers Karamazov. All right. Okay. Um, here's a letter from Alex the Geek Librarian. Ooh. Nice. Uh, greetings, gentlemen, and hopefully, lady. I am the lady. She, she's here. I was watching Happiest Season with my wife and had two tangentially related thought thoughts related to the book published by the sister Jane at the end of the film. Firstly, I know that the Shadow Dreamers and the Second Sister isn't a real book, so they printed off a couple dozen dust jackets and put them over other books. But where do those come from? Is there a prop house or warehouse somewhere in Hollywood full of blank books of various sizes, or do they go to a closeout store and find 100 copies of the same book that was overprinted or fell off the New York Times bestseller list four years ago? Uh, 
Secondly, it got me thinking about the topic from a few weeks ago about owning movie props. I would ask all three of you, what fictional book from movies or TV would you like to own? Even if it's just a prop to put on display as a conversation starter. Things that come to mind are uh, River Song's Diary, The More Tattered the Better, or The Book of Crossroads from Pan's Labyrinth. I'm sure Whitney would like a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy replica. Ooh, yeah, that'd be cool. (laughs) I thoroughly enjoy all your shows, but it's nice when you occasionally mix things up with a guest, especially Michelle. Keep up the best. Alex, the geek librarian. P.S. I submitted a request uh, that we order a copy of Hooker for our library. Oh, thank you, Alex. That's awesome. If if they if they get that in, take a picture of us. We'll put it on social media. Uh, Think picture for us. Where do they get those props? That New York Times thing. They they find books in there are books in warehouses. I made them in film school actually. Like yeah, I was asked to be the prop department on Mm. Matthew's film. Oh yeah, I remember. And I had to do like a magazine, like a science magazine, invent the cover. So I made up the name of a science magazine and a bunch of articles and did some art and put it on a real magazine. And that's all you do. You yeah. just you and find it, one a, lying around about the right size and shape, one book or magazine. You just manipulate you it. it. Yeah. yeah. And it's and it's a lot of effort for something that'll probably be on screen for five seconds, if that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and, and you can actually see uh, they used to do this a lot when um, back when newspaper headlines used to convey more plot points in movies is a very common trope and. Uh, the silent era or the 30s and the 40s in particular, yeah. there would just be like a spinning newspaper page. And it was like, Gary Grant married. And I'm like, oh, shit, run. Um, but if you if you pause it now, because he didn't used to be able to do this. He used to just be on, on the big screen. Uh, if you pause it now, you can see a lot of the time this is just a random newspaper page. And the actual article underneath the headline has nothing to do with it. They just focused on what needed to be altered. Um, sometimes they do go all out, though. Like, I remember, and this is actually my answer to this question. Um, when they made The Shining, uh, the Stanley Kubrick version, the book that Jack Torrance is writing, the one that's all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy, mm-hmm. someone on a typewriter typed out every single one of those pages so that yeah. if they if they flipped to those page randomly in the middle of the scene, it would have the right words on it. But the cool thing is... They knew it would be like translated to other languages, so there's a different version of that in French and German and Italian, mm-hmm. and I would love to have saved those pages. I have a whole library of it. Didn't they have xerography by then? I don't know. I feel like someone I mean, like, like probably worked a little too hard on this. Yeah, because they all have, <laughs> like, if you look carefully, they all have like different indentations and yeah. margins, but like Kubrick was that attentive to detail. You could repeat a couple. You probably could. <laughs> you probably, honestly, the best bet probably, you do like 25 and then you randomize them. Yeah. You do, do a bunch of copies of yeah. those 25 yeah. so that they won't look the same by accident and then you can safely do that. But Imagine how quickly you can do that now. Mm-hmm. Like, just by copy and paste, 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 paste. Yeah. You know, you're done. <laughs> yeah. It's, and we've, the romance of cinema is dead. <laughs> what? Uh, I didn't yeah. know that murdered yeah. it. Jeez. I feel bad now. Yeah. But yeah, they probably just took a whole bunch of books that they could find and just made mm-hmm. a different cover. I'd be surprised if there's anything on the interior, but you never know. Maybe they filmed something that didn't get used where there was like an interior illustration mm-hmm. or something. Who knows? Cinema um, was so vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> Real bad. Now. <laughs> Sorry, cinema. What was the second question? Second, uh, what like fictional books oh, yeah. would you want? Uh, I, I want I want the unpublished Jack Torrance Chronicles from The Shining. Oh, there you go. Yeah, the, like just, the books Jack it Torrance. Just, it just says all work and no play. Like I just want that bound. 
that one. <laughs> yeah, just the exact pages from the movie. Um, I, I I wasn't a huge fan of the movie, but I know the author in the film Wonder Boys was writing like this two thousand page oh, epic. Yeah, there you go. It was like this big sort of war and peace style family epic. It ended up getting in the movie. The pages got scattered, and he never finished it because mm. it was sort of like a symbol of his uh, inability to finish anything. Yeah, That's and I cool. guess he never saved them. Or but well, he did it on a, a typewriter. No, he shouldn't have done mm-hmm. that. I would want to own one of those books that start the beginning of a Disney movie, like Sleeping Beauty. Yeah, that's <laughs> a cool one. Ones, because mm. not only is it, like, cool looking, but I assume when you open it, it's got another dimension or you're holding captive the souls mm. of a bunch of characters and they'll, like, perform a little animated show whenever you open the book. Well, remember when we watched <laughs> uh, Mother Goose Rock and Rhyme? Yes. So if this is, we did this as an episode of our Patreon-exclusive podcast, Not on Disney+, Plus, and there was a made-for-Disney TV movie in the early 90s with an incredible cast. Yeah. Like, holy crap, this cast. We had uh, Shelley Duvall. We had uh, Gary Shandling. We had Little Richard. ZZ Top. Debbie Harry. Um, oh, God, who else? Uh, Paul Simon was in this damn thing. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a enormous cavalcade of impressive guest stars on this musical version of Mother Goose Rhymes where Mother Goose gets kidnapped and her son and little Bo Peep have to find her and it all ends where it turns out that Mother Goose was literally ripped out of the pages by a young boy in his room and she was just on his desktop (laughs) telling him nursery rhymes and they're just like you, you gotta put Mother Goose back, man. And he's like, am I the bad guy in the story? Yeah, yeah. dude. Yeah, you fucking are. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. So that's what you want. You want one yeah, of those books. exactly. Cool. Plus the visual design in that movie. Oh my god. Oh my god, it's so surreal, that movie. It's surreal, but it's also like that beautiful 90s like the, black and white checkered the, plus yeah, pink. And Tim Burton, everything looks like a Vans yeah. sneaker threw up. Yeah, yeah. yeah really a diner just kind of ha- came to life. Everyone lives <laughs> like, in that Tom Petty music video about Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Don't come around here anymore. Yeah. Um, uh, I would want to read The King in Yellow, which I think okay. was come up with by Ambrose Bierce. It's like... That's a real book. But that's a real book. Too. Lovecraft adjacent. Yeah, that's a, but that's a real book. You can read that. I own that. There's there's a, a fake book within that, though. Like, anybody who reads it goes insane. Oh, that. Oh, the book. Okay. I, I was going to say my, my backup is actually uh, the, the books of Sutter Kane mm-hmm. from In the Mouth of Madness, where yeah, if you do read them, you, you do go insane. I won't read those. So you just keep them around to I, not read. That's on my shelf, so everyone will think I've read them. You would keep them in a house with a person who normally reads quite a lot. They'd be on a taller shelf than usual. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because stools don't exist yet. Slander my shortness there's if a, you climb. There's a, safety, there's a safety lock on them. Uh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the Sutter Cane books for sure. Uh, in, in, in the movie In the Mouth of Madness, they, uh, he commissioned the artwork himself, the, the fictional author, yeah. Sutter Cane. And uh, one of the plot points is Sam Neill finds, like, these red lines on the covers, and he cuts along the red lines and assembles a map of New Hampshire with a little dot where he's supposed to go. Which is actually a big pet peeve of mine when, like, there's a big fancy book and there's a mystery about the book in the movie, Mm -hmm. but the mystery only resorts to, relates to the pictures. That's the same way in um, The the Ninth Gate, which is so offensive to me. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but, that's uh, always boring. But I, I, yeah. they had the covers on the In the Mouth of Madness website back in the late 90s, and I actually printed them out and did the same.
same experiment. Oh, did it work? Actually, it worked. Good. They, they actually thought it out. Like yeah. all, all of the covers actually had that red line on it. I cut them nice. all and assembled it just the same way Sam Neill did. It's badass. I'm trying to think if there are any others. The Necronomicon. Like, oh, uh, the, yeah. the never-ending story. Yeah. With the Orin on the front, like yeah. not just the book that you can buy, but like right. the good version that's empty <laughs> into the <laughs> Like fuck that shit! I want the I want not the, the good one, one with words in I it. I want the one that gives me a free Falcor. That's what I want. Yeah, yeah. That, that, dog dragons. That big furry thing. Yeah, the dog dragon. Yeah. He's a luck dragon. I know. Mm-hmm. Stop, stop emailing me. <laughs> I know Falcor is a luck dragon. I never was a big fan because I was just like, he's a puppy. I was not yeah. a dragon. I want a dragon. I want a big scary thing that's fun. Likes I, me. I haven't seen that movie since I was a kid. And oh, it, it's, it holds up okay. Okay, it, yeah. it's it's the first movie I remember hating. Oh no! Why did you yeah. hate the never-ending story? I, I, I thought it went on too long. I thought it was dull. Well, that's appropriate. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. It's like it just went on and on. It's like, okay, is he here yet? Oh no! Now he's got another challenge. I, well, I, I know he's going to survive. Like I, I was like five or six years old, and I realized this this is bullshit. <laughs> Kind of shutting out six years old. The nothing yes. was cool. I thought the nothing the, was really cool. The cool like wolf thing. Yeah, yeah that I thing was, was awesome. like, yeah, the nothing. I love all the monsters. <laughs> the monsters are really cool. The rock biter yeah. and the racing snail. Mm. The thing that the thing the only thing that actually bugged me about the never ending story was even at the time when I was a kid, I was like, so you're telling me that this place is the place where every fantasy thing we've ever come up with exists. No robots? Like, no robots at all. No. And I, don't, I don't need you to actually literally have a Terminator in there, but wouldn't it be great if there was any science fiction? They're all in space. Mm. Oh. I don't know. That I actually would have been an amazing explanation. One line where Bastion's just like, hey, yeah. where are all the robots? They're in space. space. Well, that tracks. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> sure. Yeah, why okay. not? Yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I told my son, my son is five years old, and I told him recently about uh, the the Library of Babylon from... Oh, yeah. Uh, Antiquity. Pardon? Oh, from Antiquity. It's, it's no, no, I mean from the, the Borges story, uh, oh, which yeah. is a library that contains every book you ever thought about writing. Yeah. Like, not, not, that, not that you wrote, just if you think about it, if you have the idea, the book manifests itself in this imaginary library. Oh, yeah. that's a great idea. I love that. That's, and, cool. and, and, that's a good and of course, And of course, Neil Gaiman's tapped into that a lot. It's oh, like yeah. Sandman's like, oh, I'm in the Borges story. Oh, aren't you literary? You... <laughs> yeah. I read um, a book once. I, yeah. just, I, I read American me... Gods at Sex. Um, <laughs> it all reminds me of like again Stephen mm. King, where he has that one thing. I can't remember in which movie mm-hmm. slash book it is in, but there is one where there's a writer who starts writing in his sleep, you know, mm. and it's what it's like. Something is granting wishes, and that, that really doesn't narrow it down. I Stephen know King. it's something like so it, and it's in Maine. I'm going to okay. narrow it oh, down. There you go. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Is, is it about an alcoholic author? Who, yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, who, it is. Who was really tight knit with, with a group of friends back in the 50s, and they also had psychic powers? Oh, no, it's, no. Like, it's like he has motifs he revisits. You know, I think you might be on to something. Have you seen this one? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. It might, it might have been The Dark Half, might have been Secret Window. It, secret Window is like the, the Secret Garden, Secret Window, I think is the name of the. Secret Window is the. That's the movie. The short story is named a little longer. Or what, oh, was, right. what was Tommy Knockers about? Tommy Knockers is about aliens. It might even have been that. It I, might have been. There's an alcoholic author in it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's got a theme, okay? He, he's, he explores He writes themes. what he knows. Yeah. Yeah. Writers do that. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And what he knows is clown spiders. <laughs> you know? <laughs> 
had an interesting life. I have two phobias, so. damn it. Clowns and spiders. You're lucky you're lucky the you're lucky the demon in it wasn't heights and 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 public speaking. There you go. He came this close. Those were three and four. How do you turn how do you turn just like shame and self-pity into a monster. He can't really do that. Yeah. That that doesn't chase be, you around a cave. He played by Albert Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> just like, I feel bad about stuff. I'm really neurotic. I'm not... I can't prove myself to the world. Such a pathetic lout. I just... And then I also have Jerry Lewis going, Nice lady! <laughs> <laughs> just... <laughs> We should read another letter. <laughs> no, let's read another letter. We can go on. Um, here is a, a letter from Sean. Hello, Sean. Hi, Sean. Uh, this is about unwritten and unproduced script by us. Um, oh. Hey, guys. Hope this finds you well. I've got to think about some of your previous conversations, particularly script ideas and screenplays that you have written over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bibbs, I actually remember an idea of yours that you discussed writing back in college about a pizza delivery man by day and professional hitman by night. I Te- love this idea. Technically, same gig. My I will explain Hitman, it Pizza Boy Hitman. Yep. Mm-hmm. But the, the pun comes first, the script follows. Yes. <laughs> the, the sequel was going to be called Suddenly Last Plumber. Oh, that's great. Oh, God. Hey, oh. I love this man. I had a whole series. There's going to be an electrician impossible. Like every <laughs> every great. gig that comes to your house, secretly a hitman. It's going to be great. So like you guys, I've always had script ideas percolating in my mind. Some I've written down, others simply never made it past the, you know, it would be co- a cool movie stage. Yet when I was in high school, I had at least one new idea each week. In fact, I remember my 10th grade English teacher assigning us a weekly journal uh, and we could write entries on whatever topic we wanted. I relished these opportunities as I probably submitted a one-page script outlined as a potential movie. Uh, like many teenagers and young adults in the late 90s, I had my wannabe Pulp Fiction crime story. We all had that. Yeah. yeah. That was a thing. I, I, I grew up with those film students, yeah. Um, like, uh, did, did, uh, or possibly your brother's McMullen like, relationship oh, drama. Right. Yeah. I had what I thought was a nifty take on the slasher genre and my personal favorite, an action adventure, preferably starring Jean-Claude Van Damme, where he plays a U.S. Treasury agent who must team up with a grizzled mountain man after millions of dollars that the, uh, and the thieves cross path in the mountains. Think cliffhanger, but with Grizzly Adams is the sidekick. Write it. I like that he's working for the U.S. Treasury. A part of me just wants to see him with, like, glasses and, like, a a graphing calculator. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, One of my favorite ideas, however, came to me when I drove past a high-tech building on my way to school. My idea concerned a group of heavily trained commandos who are tasked with infiltrating a high-tech research facility to eradicate a deadly alien virus before it is unleashed on an unsuspecting public. Yet when the commandos become trapped in the building with no way out, they discover that the virus has mutated into something much more terrifying. This was in 2000, and it was an idea I was pretty proud of until a popular movie came along in the spring of 2002 called Resident Evil. Mm. I was bummed. Yeah, it happens. And it was at the end and that was the end of that particular concept, which leads me to my question in this perhaps long-winded email. What other script ideas have you come up with over the years? I'd love to hear them. And did you ever find that you had the idea first until Hollywood beat you to the punch and produced their version? If so, what were the films and ideas? We get to hear you two expound on your on new releases, but we're not given the opportunity often to hear more about your own creative process. Oh, uh, fair to, enough. I hope to hear your thoughts. Take care, Sean. Um, well, first off, I want to I want to clarify something about uh, film critics. Uh, we're not all stifled screenwriters who never <laughs> got a break. But like a lot of people in the industry, we've, we've dallied. Mm-hmm. We've dallied, dabbled. 
dabbled. Dabbled. Isn't I've also fun? dallied. I'm a, I'm a procrastinator. You're a dally dabbler. I am. Yeah. From yeah. way back. Well, That's true. But I've, I've, yeah, I've written a few screenplays, and eventually I found out I think um, you know, nonfiction's more my game, because mm-hmm. I just don't have the follow-through. Uh, but yeah, I did write a screenplay called Mike Pitman, Pizza Boy Hitman, which combined my love of Robert Rodriguez's El Mariachi, uh, Italian-American culture, and the Patrick Dempsey rom-com Loverboy. Uh, because the idea was, if you order uh, extra anchovies, uh, that's code for this is actually a hit. And if they're not dead in 30 minutes or less, your pizza's free. Um, the, the pizza's free or the hit is free? Pizza's free. Oh. You get the, the pizza. Seems like pretty low stakes. Well. Just a, just a free pizza. There's, there's a lot. Look, pizza costs more than bullets, dude. <laughs> Yeah, these are good ingredients. It should have been. <laughs> but of course, there's a new like corporate pizza boy hit boy place uh, like across the street, like in the movie Used Cars. And so there's a you know everyone's like a rivalry. Everyone's competing for the same hits and everything. And it was a whole thing. The, my big mistake was making it like so huge it could only cost like two hundred million dollars. Oh, yeah. Like I had these giant action sequences, which were cool to read, but that was never getting made. <laughs> they should have made that to be like one million, like like El Mariachi. <laughs> then maybe I would have had a chance, but that was never going to be a thing. I'll, I'll, I'll say this: that doesn't sound like something Hollywood would like accidentally make by mistake. No, but, no. I remember the first time that happened to me was uh, I had the idea for. Um, so you know those uh, publications, uh, they, I don't see them as often anymore, but they would be at the checkout stand at your supermarket, the Weekly World News, mm-hmm. and they would have things like Bat Boy Discovered in Cave and House oh, That yeah. Bleeds. And when I was in high school, I had the idea to do a TV series about the reporters who work for that magazine, but all the stories were real. And then, like, senior year of high school, the Sci-Fi Channel came out, and one of their debut series, or like their second year running, was a show called The, the Chronicle, which was literally that. And I was actually kind of stoked because I was like, oh, I finally get to see this show I've been thinking about. And then the one episode I saw was about psychic potato chips. And I'm like, you could do better. What did the potato chips know? I, stuff that they shouldn't. I, I know people mm. were dying, but I'm like, I still don't think. I still thought it was pretty thin. And I was yeah. like, man, that's something you, you, you resort to in like season five when you're out of ideas. Like it's not a good, it's not putting your best foot forward in season one. I was disappointed. Potato chips are pretty thin. Yeah. Unless you got Ma Bell's thick chips. If you've ever <laughs> wanted an explanation for our marriage, <laughs> this right here, this exact little, this, this moment right here. I, this is literally, I'm, I'm dead serious. When I, one of the things where I knew, I'm like, I could, I could spend my whole life. I knew I could spend my whole life with Aww. M. Lavas da Silva was when I realized, oh, she likes puns as much as I do. And she thinks mine are funny. Do. Find shared interests. They don't all have to overlap, <laughs> but you got to have some. Yep. Also, also another good rule of thumb and relationship advice: don't like all the same snacks. Yeah, that yeah. way you're not eating your own, each other's snacks all the time, and everyone has snacks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is that is uh, that's not a deal breaker, but it's practical advice. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty good. Would you like me to leave you alone <laughs> later? We have some uh, snacking to do. <laughs> <laughs> 
for their <laughs> psychic potato chips. Go dig into mm. your, your triscuits or whatever you have. I've got a few more, but when, when they wanted we, we, you tell us about right. a couple of your screenplays. Because oh, you actually produce like radio dramas, I've, so some I've, of them get I've made. I've made some radio dramas. If you're a $20 yeah. patron, you can hear the, the radio scripts I've made. Do I, it. I, well, I wrote Go a, listen to them. I, I wrote cool. a radio yeah. script uh, for a contest way back in 2005, uh, just on mm-hmm. a lark, because I was a big fan of just the medium. Yeah. I listened to a lot in high school, uh, so I decided to write one of my own about a talking cat and a bunch of friends who all had superpowers, but now they're in their 50s and they never thought to become superheroes because they're just boring people. Mm-hmm. And they end up having to confront a, like a robot with a human brain and other wild things as well. This got selected by some radio uh, enclave called the National Audio Theater Festival that uh, produces plays in West Plains, Missouri. Nice. Which is so remote, you have to like fly into Tennessee and then take a bus all the way into West Plains. And there's there's nothing out there but this radio festival. So I got to see it performed live on stage by some professional actors who flew out. That's um, cool. Simon like see, Jones, yeah. oh. who played Arthur Dent in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, played the robot with the human brain. That's cool. <laughs> That's actually really, cool. really cool. That's awesome. That's legit cool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I sort of fell out of the radio script writing game until years later, and then I started making my own again. And uh, if, you, if you're if you a $20 patron on our Patreon page, you get those at no additional cost. But if yeah. you want to listen to them, you can Venmo Whitney. And check it out, because themes... The talking cat, mm. the talking crab. I'm just I, I, saying. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah. I, I, I guess I like themes. S- sort themes. of like f- f- <laughs> flip, flip. Or if you want to get Flutin, late motifs. Late motifs. Uh, I, I got to like flip casual conversations filled with vulgarity and then like some magical realism. Mm-hmm. So yeah, people I, in their I, middle they, ages they, talking yeah, about stuff. Just talking about stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's kind of a thing. Um, it's right about older characters, too. I don't I like about it. young people. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, but yeah, I, I wrote a, a script called The Tenth Muse about a lesbian bar, and there's a talking crab involved, and Sappho the poet is one of the characters, and there's some time travel in that one. Uh, the second one is takes place in a 1991 uh, real-life store that was on the promenade in the early 90s called Nana. Uh, which is, it was like your counterculture shop. It's where you got, like, your docks and your Ed Wood paperbacks. That's it's awesome. where, uh, where I got Black Lemonade, which is one of my favorite drinks in high school. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's just a, a conversation about the cl- uh, the clerk and a middle-aged woman who come in and how they have a connection. I don't want to say what it is, because it's a good surprise. Okay. Was Black Lemonade better mm-hmm. than Snapple Rain? Snapple oh, Rain. Snapple Rain. Shit. No! <laughs> oh. No, I was, Let no, the fighting oh. begin. I'm giving you. I'm just giving you crap. I, it was fine, and I drink a lot of crap. I drink like yeah. Orbits and Fruitopia and all yeah. you know, whatever, whatever experimental oh, drink. Orbits. Drink. Yeah. orbits were gross. Yeah, they, they were. It was so gross. Orbits. Look it up. It was like one of the most Phelan pop drinks that they ever put out. But it was it was a soft drink. It was like really super sweetly flavored, and it had like little tiny balls of gelatin floating. In it. Yeah. So they were like perfect spheres. So yeah. it looked like it looked like something you'd see in Willy Wonka's factory. Yeah, and, you, and you just drink yeah. it and you'd swallow those little spheres and perfect spheres unless the machine misprinted one, and right. then you'd see a weird flat edge right. off to the side. Yeah. Yeah. Or the two or halves get like a little like, worm in there. And yeah. 
and and the it, the flavors were really bad because they were mm-hmm. too sweet, and it wasn't. It was like really syrupy. It was like kind of a vic- viscous drink. I was like drinking maple syrup. It was really gross. Nectar of the ninety nine cent store. Yeah, well, that's where I got it. Was at the ninety nine yes. cent store. That's where I got it. Well, along Why with, did you think I was drinking it? That's <laughs> my after school along, along with like grape flavored Pringles or whatever else they got. Oh, oh, um, oh my, my stomach just spasmed <laughs> as you said that. Why would you do that? Stomach, your stomach tried to but, run uh, away. There were no Crystal Pepsi. But uh, but I, I I'm a big fan of Black Lemonade. It's put out by a, a company called Skeletines. They also put out Brainwash, which has jalapeno in it. It'll burn your mouth and turn your like it'll sting yeah. your mouth blue for hours. I remember Brainwash. Brainwash is yeah. great. I love Brainwash. <laughs> I, at every, uh, I, I worked at the New Art Theater just up the street, and I petitioned real hard for them to get brainwash, uh, like, on the shelf. And I, oh I managed to do it very briefly. I was like, nice. let's get all these bottled drinks. It'll be really exciting. And then they had all these complaints. They didn't. <laughs> no, they just, they, they just didn't sell. I just nah. bought them myself. <laughs> well, why do they care? You're they got, buying them. They, like, got, they got, like, one case of 24, and I think I bought 10 of them myself. Well, you should so. buy them all. What the hell? Then you get more. <laughs> Well, yeah, but, but I have to buy them at the theater markup. They were much more expensive. I could just go to a store and get them for cheaper. He would have had to anyway, brainwash um, to buy them. That's yeah. good comedy right I, there. I, in, okay. in, in college, I wrote one of the most college screenplays one could possibly imagine. Oh, no. Uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Was it about... When I was at college, <laughs> I was at a... I took multiple screenwriting classes. One screenwriting class, like, the, on the first day, everyone went around and talked about, like, what their pitch was. Like, here's oh. what we're writing in this class. You know, write the first 30 pages of this script. I swear to God, it was like 20 people in the class, and 18 of them were writing road trip movies to find your birth parents. No kidding. Every wow. single oh, fucking one <laughs> was the script to the movie Crossroads, but not the good one with Daniel LaRusso and like guitar fighting with Steve Vai. But like, no, no, like the bad one with Britney Spears. Yeah, yeah it was really, pretty bad. When uh, in, in college, we all had to write. Uh, uh, scenes like one act scenes, uh, just scenes for for, for, for performance in my uh, theater class. Yeah, and yeah, two thirds of them were about coming out to your roommate. Like, it, was, it was really good. It's like, how do I come out to my roommate? How do I tell my roommate that I'm gay? It's like, okay, n- news topics, please. I feel like one or two of these could probably get the the gist of that across. Look, and, they and, didn't have the therapy session to like work this out, yeah. so they were gonna do it in yeah. class. It, it, and this, this is the way. It's, 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 it's what's yeah. on their mind. Do, at the time. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I here's the thing though. I get that. What I don't mm-hmm. see is every one of you took a road trip. Yeah, <laughs> every <laughs> single one. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. Well, my okay. script and call it. I don't know. Ooh. No, yours did oh. not. Well, no, yours didn't oh, really no, have that. No, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know because the, 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 they didn't ask specifically. Well, no, you're, gonna, you're, was, you're part of it. I'll chime in. Was, was Whatever yours you're comfortable sharing. A, 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 a raunchy sex comedy. Like, there's, no. there seem to be like only like four types of screenplays you run into. Ooh, let's there's see like, if mine is in like, it. There's a raunchy sex comedy. Nope. Of which I think Mike Pittman sort of qualifies. Just it was it's not. Broad and it, silly. it wasn't raunchy and sexy. There, there's it actually, like, it, one of the comments I got was it was weirdly sexless. Oh, right. like, yeah. I didn't have like all the romance was in my scripts was like weirdly chaste because yeah, I was very much inspired by like cartoons that I watched as a kid. <laughs> that was it. I didn't really have like a, also I was kind of inexperienced in, yeah. the, in that kind what of What else thing. was yeah. my script potentially? Um, there's the uh, there's just like the really talky indie drama about nope. people who are also college students and they just sort of have conversations about dating and that that sort of thing. Nope. There's the cry for help which is uh, you know 
really, really, like, kind, all, like, kind, all kind of, of I suppose so. <laughs> that, that is like re- really dank, abstract screenplays about suicide, uh, and um, and and then there was like uh, the. Everyone's Requiem for a Dream script. Yeah, there you yeah. go. There's the, the Requiem for it's a Dream It's like type. pervasively dark for its own purpose, yeah. So my script was oh. about two depressed lesbians going mm. to a house in the middle of the woods that was haunted by an animated medieval dimension that okay. was steampunk medieval dimension that was going through an uprising, and it was haunted by a queen with a clockwork horse. <gasps> Did you read the book Clockwork by Philip Pullman? No. Because that sounds really similar to that book. No. Like the I, guy the guy read His Dark Materials. I've read His kid. Dark Materials, but I've never mm-hmm. read Clockwork. Yeah, he, he did another kid's book called Clockwork, which is like well, replacing people's hearts and stuff. That's not Philip, the same thing. No, 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 not replacing it, it, it people's really hearts. Steampunk. But yeah, yeah. no, mine and, had mine was horror and involved mm-hmm. some hospital horror elements. It was really, well, it was really, it was like, really, really, really horror. Like, yeah, I don't think Philip Pullman does it's that. like the animated dimension was a terrible place to be because the medieval ages were a terrible place to exist and mm. be in time wise like people who are like yeah let's go back to the medieval ages I'm like yeah, good luck with the death and the, the stink and the yeah. you know like water you can't drink and like, the yeah. cool discomfort con- I mean like it was no a souls on your shoes like, life yeah. people so like yeah it literally was like, never brush your teeth ever terrifying like, other world <laughs> <laughs> everyone only knows the same two songs like it's pretty yeah. bad so um, <laughs> they were both written by Henry VIII you could tell my script would have connected with a lot of people who in you know screenwriting who would have mm-hmm. thought that was a Hollywood blockbuster right off the bat. Most <laughs> depressed lesbians experiencing an animated medieval hell dimension leaking through. Of course. Yeah. You know, no. Nobody got, like, I got the weirdest notes sometimes. It was like, I don't know what, like, I got a note where, oh, I think once someone, like, the teacher questioned whether shunt was a word that existed. And that uh, and, and, was. yes. It yes, is a it word is. that exists. It is. It has multiple they just, meanings. Do know the word shunt? Yes, I'm uh, like, well, what else would you call the thing you put in your arm in a hospital hmm. that's shunting yeah, <laughs> medication? It's, it's, it's the arm thing. Into your body. It's yeah, the arm pointing thing. It's like, thing well, you don't want to use a lot of technical terminology, it's was not technical. what I was told at the time. Yeah. Oh my and God. And I'm like, that's so weird. Just admit you have nothing to say about this. <laughs> I kind of just, I, I kind of just wish I could have just seen you just like flip your chair, like fuck it, I'm out. Right, yeah, that would have uh, been my epic ending. Uh, yeah, I mean, Jesus. I've I've technically written three feature length scripts that mm-hmm. have been you know made it to production in the triple X world, oh, and I was paid for them. Yeah, so nice. you yeah. know, I did great. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that's but that's more screenplays than I think anyone yeah, else in like, our class who actually we went to film school together. Right. Yeah, that's why I read the script. Um, <laughs> and boy, so was, UCLA. Boy, Ooh, was she? Aren't you proud? Boy, was, I gotta tell you something. I, and we had a class of I think thirty people. Yeah. In our year at film school, uh, twenty nine. Like one of them like decided it wasn't for them and left, and mm. twenty nine of us uh, made it out alive. And. Um, you were like one. You were like one of maybe two people, and I'm being generous who had like. A point of view, 
you know, like actual things to say and like right. actual like because like everyone else. I mean, and that's no slight. Some of them were actually rather good, but yeah. like you know, you were you actually like had something meaningful to say already, and everyone else was like, structure is neat, and <laughs> oh, that's God. I was one of them, so yeah. that's fine. Like I was writing the stupidest damn comedies imaginable because no matter wh- how hard I tried, anything I wrote accidentally became a stupid comedy. <laughs> so I learned like, how to lean structure into structure is a cage <laughs> they try to put your words into once the wild beast is already run and torn. A muck. Oh Can we put like, that on a shirt? Yeah. Structure is a cage. It is. It's cr- structure is is the post mortem, right? Yeah. You know, well, it's it, it's, it, it's lesson one. Structure yeah. is lesson one, and people get hung up on this. Uh, and often, structure is only really something you think about after it's done. Yeah, you know, like afterwards you see how the mechanism works and sometimes yeah. you understand how the mechanism works so well that your structure is easy to recognize and it's kind of formulaic. But if a story works, there's probably some inner logic to it and you can recognize it afterwards. And that's what a lot of criticism is. I've taught creative writing for like over a decade to kids from first grade to seniors in high school. And it's structure is something that I teach them like last because you don't need it to write. Mm -hmm. What you need is an understanding of how characters work and how people work and trying not to paste something that doesn't fit onto a person who wouldn't do that. You have Mm -hmm. to work within the range. When you create a character, you have to stick by the rules and just... What does that character want, realistically? Maybe they don't want to do the thing you wanted them to do when you sat down to write. What does that character want to do? One of the you know? one of the worst like things I think that happened to me as a writer when I was trying to learn how to write because like you know I saw all these like filmmakers who grew up and they were making these home movies in their backyard and we couldn't afford a film camera so all I could do was write mm-hmm. and I wrote a lot of screenplays and I kept reading all these books about them and all of them all they talked about was structure mm-hmm. all they talked about was three act structure and what mm-hmm. happens on page ten and everything like that and that was such a trap. Yep. Because all you're thinking about is where things are supposed to go and not what the things are. I mean, mm, I was yeah. sitting in screenwriting classes ever since I've been like seven or eight years old. And just uh, my my dad was interested in being a screenwriter. That was, you know, he was a playwright that got like some stuff produced and he would direct commercials and whatever shows and stuff. So I was around town in a lot of screenwriting classes, and even then I would get really mad (laughs) during classes. And I remember one time I got really mad, and my dad was like, what are you so mad about? And I'm like, (laughs) you're all trying, because they were having a lesson where they're talking about evoking emotion and how Mm -hmm. can you make people cry and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I can make anyone cry. And, like, my dad's like, all right, then you do it. And he gave me a legal pad and was just basically like, sit down and shut up. And I wrote a story, and it did make him cry Aww. afterwards. Okay. Good. All right. Well, there you go. I'm a very competitive <laughs> this is very true. I play a lot of Overwatch with with Michelle, and she is she's a she's a monster. She is a well, monster. You just you just give her Torbjorn and Moira, and then you run, you run to the other side of the map. That's what you do. That's your best bet. She's so competitive. It's great. I've played a video game too. I remember yeah. that. <laughs> I'm very good at Ms. Pac-Man. Ah, yes, that's a cool game. Yeah, yeah. One that's, of my yeah. one of one of the great lies. 
in all of film history was the part in Wayne's World where Wayne asks uh, the owner of Noah's Arcade, mm. uh, what's the difference between Pac-Man and Ms. Pac-Man, really? Oh, and mm. Noah says Ms. Pac-Man has a bow on her head, and that is not the only difference. She also and, has an eyelash, a beauty mark, and lipstick. No, but beyond that, ignore the sprite. There is one major gameplay mechanic difference in Ms. Pac-Man. The fruit moves. Mm. Oh, that's true. The fruit moves across the map. It doesn't stay in one place like in Pac-Man. See... <laughs> Ms. Pac-Man had to do everything Pac-Man did, but backwards and in heels. Like, that's basically what that is. Even the, the, the fruit wasn't even as easy. It's <laughs> they, they, don't, they don't have feet. No, the feet are underneath them. We have a top-down view. Okay. Um, that's, where, how do you think mazes work? Of course it's a top-down view. <laughs> Their feet are underneath them. You can't see the feet. Okay, well, here's the confusing thing. If it's top down, yeah. why are we seeing them in profile? Oh no, that's their mouths are just like vertical. It's really horrifying. Well, they're like mandibles. See, yeah. I thought it was a vertical maze and that somehow they were like jumping like when they went up. Really. Oh. Yeah. Well, that would probably make more sense, but that no. <laughs> <laughs> we were all wrong about so, Pac-Man. This is what the whole pandemic has been like. Has, yeah, <laughs> has Hollywood ever stolen your ideas? Yeah. Uh, yeah well, uh, that that uh, chronicle idea uh, that happened. Uh, I wrote uh, with a friend. We co-wrote an idea that was kind of like a more mature version of the Power Rangers, and mm. actually the Power Rangers movie that came out. Mm. I had some similarities, oh, yeah. uh, and um, I, actually, I think there's a lot of stuff they did better, but right. still, I, li- I liked the idea of repurposing this thing that was very childlike and didn't kind of make sense and have it make sense and have really compelling characters and mm-hmm. I actually thought the movie did a pretty good job of it mm-hmm. uh, that's two Dude, examples yeah. I don't know. Hollywood ever stolen nah, nobody's so. got what I've got in my pocket <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty damn true actually <laughs> yeah I, I, I did have a, I wrote a, a treatment once for a, a film uh, based on Motormouth oh, really, that, really yeah. big on Motormouth for a Motormouth is a, a Marvel Comics character from the Marvel UK brand okay. which was published out of the UK and they had their own sort of original canon of characters for this brief window in the 90s some of them were really cool some yeah. of those really? books were really good I came yeah. up with there's a character named Death's Head who is this big like heavy metal monster with, that could it like Absorb all of the skills and talents of the people it killed, and you know, that It'd be sort like of thing. Full and, of chains and have long hair. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, big long like tentacle hair, like the predator, nice. and big horns, well, actually, and skull technically, face. Technically, that was Death's Head too. Death's Head Death, too. Oh. Death's Head was like it was basically just a robot mercenary for a while, and then Death's Head Two was like the '90s cool reboot yeah. where he was super mm. badass, but he was <laughs> still he just killed Death's Head. But he was okay. still, a, but he was still a dick. Like that was the thing. He was kind of like a proto Deadpool. He just wasn't aware he was in a comic. Wait, mm. did he call him? Himself Death's Head too. Yeah, serves, the, yes. the title of the comic was Death's Head too. Do you remember that? That's at all? A, no, that's an awkward thing to call yourself. Agreed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm one hundred percent agreed. And there were other like robot lovers, like Death Wreck and Death Metal <laughs> and the uh, other yeah. Death characters. But one of uh, out of this mi- little mini canon was a character called Motormouth, who's a, a teenage. Uh, punk girl yeah. who could like sh- scream through like holes through walls like through the power of her rocking oh, and had cool. magical sneakers that let her quantum leap she could like leap into other dimensions she was basically Marvel's version of Tank Girl it was pretty oh, yeah. cool yeah. she was kind of, yeah. kind of this yeah Tank Girl-esque character and uh, I, I thought, figured like 
all these Marvel movies are big. I'm going to take like the most obscure character I can think of and see if I can like make a movie out of it. So I did. Nice. I wrote this big long treatment. It's you know, a dozen pages. I, I came up with a soundtrack record, which I still listen to in my car. Oh, yeah, he's, uh, he's brought, you know you, you should do like a Spotify playlist of that. That's you true. should. I, for some it's of the, our the subscribers, I actually burned CDs and mailed them out to some of our our uh, Patreon subscribers oh, nice. uh, because I, I came up with this whole canon and came up with a soundtrack record for each of them, all of these characters, including Death's Head too. Um, but one of the elements in my treatment was the character Harley mm. uh, traveled around town as like as a totem with a little mixtape she kept in her pocket, and whenever she like encountered a, a boombox, like mm-hmm. she would break into houses and stuff and steal like food because she was lived on the street, yeah. and she would listen to her own mixtape. <laughs> And uh, and when she left, that was very dear to her. And later, like throughout the film, she like gets like music implants in her head, so she can always hear her mixtape. That's fine. And uh, what should come out a year after that? Uh, I, I came up with a treatment. And I actually sent it to Marvel. I had a connection. So I was like, oh, "Here's this cool. treatment. I'll send it to Marvel." Yeah. They won't think anything of it. I'll never hear anything again. Sure. But a year thereafter, the movie Guardians of the Galaxy came out in theaters. And what does the guy travel around with but a mixtape that his mom gave yeah. him that he was True. always listening to? But you know what I really I, want I can't to prove see. that somebody stole my idea, but that's, that's just something. I want weird. your implant with the mixtape playing in it because that just sounds <laughs> cool to have like this weird like. <laughs> 80s technology with mm-hmm. like yeah, I don't know and it's very implant. you Michelle very much yeah. has a soundtrack to her life yeah, her, her yeah, iPod yeah. has been on just constant repeat yeah, yeah. the way I wrote it she had like a little years, volume yeah. knob behind her ears so she could kind of like <laughs> adjust nice. it as she went along I dig it she, she traveled around with a flying V and had like a special jacket that she could just stick the guitar to her back without That's a cool. strap it was, it was it was all like stylish and very punk yeah. inflected, and the story was completely stupid. I, They'd never make a movie like the one I read. I, uh, I, uh, It'd be I, fun to see as a comic, honestly. It would. I, uh, I used to, back when I was uh, writing for like big publications, I used to interview. Uh, people at press junkets for Marvel movies, and I would actually mm-hmm. interview Kevin Feige almost every time, to the point where he knew me and we'd say hi. <laughs> Kevin Feige like runs Marvel Studios, yeah. um, and uh, there were a couple of things that I always asked him about. Uh, one was Squirrel Girl. When are we getting Squirrel Girl? And the answer was they made a pilot and it didn't get picked up. Oh, that's too bad. So hopefully, if anyone has access to the new the Warriors pilot, pilot. <laughs> which is my understanding that they did film it. Please let us find this and review it and cancel too soon, I beg of you. We want to watch it. Yeah. I'm interested. The other one I always asked him about was mm-hmm. Cap Wolf. <laughs> uh, there was a period in the 90s. Oh, it was one yeah. of the coolest things ever. More like Crap Wolf. You, you shut your mouth. Come on. Cap, there was a period in the 90s. I will, I will give you no leeway on Cap I like you. werewolves. Captain America <laughs> turned into a werewolf for a while. Yeah. Like for like a solid year or so in the comics in the 1990s. And you he was Cap like, Wolf. like a, a werewolf wearing that goofy red, white, and blue outfit. It was that awesome. That makes me legit happy because it's like... Like, kind of like that there's a universal horror version of all the mm-hmm. superheroes, yeah. you know? Well, there, like if you I know there's it. Marvel zombies at one yeah. point where they were just all zombies. But that's just one zombie. I want, like, yeah. a Frankenstein creature well, and, like, yeah. an Invisible Man and well, a mummy. To, to be fair, the Marvel zombies was, like, all the Marvel superheroes became zombies. So, like, mm-hmm. how bad would the zombie apocalypse be if Hulk was a zombie? Like, that, that would suck more. But I actually, uh, I, I asked him about that every single time. I think, I think you're up shit creek either way. Oh, true. <laughs> That's true. But uh, I, I kept asking Kevin Feige about that. And then like one time, uh, one time, I think it was for Thor Ragnarok. Hmm. He was like, oh, 
maybe. <laughs> got him on a good day. Maybe he was thinking about it. Maybe it'll show. I don't know. Maybe it'll show up in the multiverse someday. But uh, one time, Whitney made me promise him I would bring up Motormouth. I was like, "What do you say, Motormouth? Do you, does it have a chance?" And he's like, "I said I don't know who that is." He actually didn't. <laughs> He was like, listen, I don't actually know who every single character we have the rights Aww. to. It's literally thousands of characters. I'm not I'm not sure how the Marvel UK fits into our legal thing. I don't know if we have it. <laughs> so, so I didn't have a good... So, so you're saying there's a chance. So I'm saying <laughs> there's a I chance. I could make it. Yeah. I could get the rights to that character and make my goddamn motor mouth. Maybe. Movie. Whitney, nobody said no yet. Nobody That's said true. no yet. Yeah. I'll just start, start no. making it until yeah. a lawyer tells me to stop. Exactly. <laughs> that yeah. always works out great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was our approach. We, uh, we always wanted to book Deep Throat oh, as yeah. a midnight show at the New Art. Yeah. And the problem is we could get a print of Deep Throat. We knew uh-huh. plenty of collectors who had it. Yeah. But we didn't know who we would have to pay to rent it because that oh. film has such a sketchy financial background. Yeah, yeah like, like the yeah. mob has you know, like, like ties just, to it. So, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I just said, why don't we just book it and see who shows up <laughs> asking for their cut? <laughs> and then we'll and then know we'll who owns it. <laughs> What do, you, what, do you, what do you got to lose? Yeah, it's like, we're not going to show it. We haven't paid you any money yet. Come, and we'll rent yeah. it there's, from There's it. a lot of people putting stuff, like, on YouTube and stuff. Like, here's a movie. Mm. We think it's in public domain, but... Mm. Eh. To whom it came, it may yeah. concern. We left your movie yeah. at the school. If you want to pick it up. If you want to claim it, fine. But if not, we're going to watch it, okay? Yeah. Jeez. Or you want to just vanish? What the hell? <laughs> They're gonna make motor mouth and see who shows up. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be there with it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. An exciting Claiming new ownership. cinema. Come on, that's uh, got to be the border of like cinema now. Is who's like breaking copyright infringement? That's the yeah. cutting yeah. edge, yeah. right? It used to be piracy was like this super negative thing, and generally it, it, it is. I don't yeah. blanketly mm. support it, but now there's a lot of piracy. Is just like look, they're just not releasing these movies. Yeah, they're just gone. And we need to be able to access them so the art stays alive. And so there's actually this like offshoot part of the piracy community where actually kind of like these noble Fahrenheit 451 warriors like desperately trying to like preserve these like rare Italian horror movies from the 60s that no one else is putting on DVD, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Are you them. one of them? <laughs> At the very least, I feel like you're on their PR I team. I, I, I would. <laughs> You have my email. Yeah. Like just, you, <laughs> letters are critically acclaimed on that. Um, Ooh. Uh, <laughs> Intrigues. We, we've gotten Thrills. through fewer letters than usual this week, I'm but sorry. it is the usual time. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's it. For, we've got mail this week. Right. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll we'll catch up more next time. Uh, but I think we had some really fun conversations here this week. So thank you everybody who wrote in. We talk about ourselves a lot. Well. People We're didactic, okay? We like to dialogue. <laughs> That's what podcasting is, really. Like, we, we talk about other we're, stuff all the time. We're extemporaneous. Yeah. Uh, if you don't like it, send us another email. I think um, we're interesting people. I think you're interesting people, and Aww. thank you so much for joining us. And it's seriously, come on, people. come on by anytime. You're, you're, Aww, you're just over yeah. there. That's true. <laughs> Mostly, we're I'm not, just in the other room. We're not, we're, <laughs> we're, not, we're not. We're not going anywhere with us. Um, Sometimes I sleep at night. Though. <laughs> yeah, unlike me and Whitney. <laughs> yeah, yeah, who are we're up to like two a.m. every day podcasting. Um, but uh, seriously, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Thank uh, you. Uh, her new novel, Hooker. Again, it is currently available. It's available in ebook, and it's also available in print. <laughs> Which I highly recommend because in print is awesome. It's well, fun. I'm, I'm going yeah. to ask. I'm just going to say, like, which version do you get more money for? 
I think the print. The print, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you, su- you support Michelle more if you get it in print. Yeah. No, no pressure if you can't afford it, obviously. But the like, book is yeah. sex work positive, it's queer yeah. positive, and it celebrates women, so... Yeah, it's it's really Hope cool, and that's it. and there've been really cool reviews also. Mm. Like all the responses have been really really solid. Um, so uh, again, that's available it's at Barnes and Noble. Uh, that's available. You can get other places, bookstores as well. Uh, Hooker by M. Lapis da Silva. We will have links up on this page on the critically acclaimed website. We'll put links up uh, on the critically acclaimed Twitter account at critic acclaim. Uh, I am at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibel. And, of course, make sure you follow Michelle on both Twitter and Instagram for opportunities to win a copy of Hooker. One follower on Instagram will win a copy, and one follower on Twitter will win a copy. Uh, Michelle, tell people where they can find you on those. Okay, so I only remember my Twitter, which is <laughs> at underscore M. Lapis da Silva, okay. which is at underscore M. L. O. P. E. S. D. A. S. I. L. V. A. Okay. I can spell my name. I'm and uh, uh, hold on, hold on. I looked it up for posterity. Uh, it is Instagram. Uh, the account is author M. Lapis Da Silva. Da Silva is spelled D A S I L V A, and Lapis has an S in it, not a Z. Yeah. Very important. Um, so, yeah, we're on Twitters. We got the things. You can always email us letters at critically acclaimed. Dot net uh, is the email address. We might answer your email in an upcoming We've Got Mail. We have a ton of other podcasts right here at the Critically Acclaimed Network, uh, hopefully for you to enjoy. And, of course, we want to give a very special shout-out to all of our patrons over at patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network where we have a lot of exclusive shows and other uh, uh, fun things as well, polls that aside future episodes and the like. Uh, seriously, the show would not be here without our patrons so just a very special thank you and if you can't afford to join the patreon we totally get it 2020 sucks uh but if you want to help out the show you know for the holidays or whatever leave us a review that'd be really really great you know just uh, apple Podcasts, wherever you find the show leave us a review star rating whatever you can do that helps us find more people speak (laughs) your heart say what's on your mind Oh, you don't want to hear that. Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> That's the good stuff. <laughs> We're going to turn the mic off and talk about my stupid-ass college screenplay. Ooh, yeah. That's going to be a fun hour and a half. Uh, <laughs> all right, better get started on that shit. So thank you, everybody, once again. Sincerely yours, Bibbs and Whitney and M. Lapis de Silva. Yay. Yay.